Welcome to Now Appalachia. The Appalachian region covers 13 states in the U.S., and over 25 million people call the region home. This podcast profiles the authors and publishers with connections to Appalachia and how the region influences and impacts their creative work. And now, here's your host, author and Appalachian resident, Elliot Parker. And hello, friends, and welcome back to another episode of Now Appalachia. This podcast is carried and broadcasted courtesy of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network as we continue to bring you and profile the outstanding authors with connections to the Appalachian region and how the region influences and impacts their works. I'm your host, Elliot Parker. It's great to have you with us for our first podcast recording and interview of 2023. So welcome to 2023. We also want to point out that as we start 2023, We are beginning year six of our Now Appalachia podcast program, heard here on the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. So we started doing this uh, six years ago this year, and it's been a tremendous success. We've had a lot of fun with it. So if you're a veteran of the program in terms of listening and downloading the podcasts, each and every episode here on the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network, thank you so much. Welcome back and hope you are enjoying and excited about 2023. If you're new to our podcast for the first time, or you just kind of clicked on uh, SoundCloud or Podbean or Spotify or iTunes or whatever you like to listen to, and are thinking, well, what's this podcast about? We want to welcome you as well, and hope you'll enjoy the program and the podcast and make this program and podcast a regular part of your podcast listening experience. And we'll talk more about the podcast in 2023 a little bit later on in our show, but Today, we want to profile and welcome in an outstanding author with a great collection of short stories. The author's name is Ramona Reeves. The title of her short story collection is It Falls Gently All Around and Other Stories. It was published by the University of Pittsburgh Press. It was the winner of the Drew Hines Literature Prize from the University of Pittsburgh Press. And Ramona is our guest today. She joins us as a native of Mobile, Alabama. She has won the Nancy D. Hargrove Editor's Prize and has also been a Room of Her Own Fellow, as well as a resident at the Kimmel Nelson Harding Center for the Arts. Her writing has appeared in Southampton Review, New South, Bayou Magazine, Texas Highways, and other publications. And her short story collection, It Falls Gently All Around, is her latest work. So I'm delighted to have Ramona here with us today to talk to us about this collection of short stories, this interlinked collection of short stories. And I'm so happy to have her as our first author of 2023. So Ramona, welcome to the program. Good to have you here. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here and um, so happy to be uh, helping kick off the the 2023 season here. And um, so happy new year. Yes, Happy New Year to you, and thank you so much for being our first guest as we kick off 2023 and year six. And, you know, I just loved your short stories, and I had a lot of writers uh, on Twitter and uh, elsewhere on social media that had been holding up your book and saying, this was one of my favorite books I read in in all of 2022, and I, I picked a copy of it up in between Christmas and New Year's, so we were done taping episodes for the year, and I'm a little late getting to it, but when I read it, I just fell in love with these stories, and I love it because we've got a a linked set of short stories. Um, We've got two characters who are just fascinating to watch and follow as they grow and develop and change. They kind of find their own form of redemption. I think these stories are humorous, but they're also extremely emotional and really powerful, 
Um, the characters are, are beautifully written. The writing is beautifully written. And I'm just so excited to talk to you about it today. I, I wanted to ask you first, though, about place and about a sense of place, because you live in Texas now, right outside of Austin, Texas. Uh, but you grew up in Mobile, Alabama and spent a lot of time there. Uh, there was one quote that you wrote in the story, which uh, I wanted to read and then get your your comments on place and its role in the story. Uh, you write uh, early in the book that the beauty of Mobile was not found in its midtown or downtown high ceilinged homes with their historic nameplates, prim azaleas and impressive oaks. The beauty swelled from the dirty bay, the muck of oyster beds and oil rigs and the fume scarred bank head tunnel. So the idea of place and, and Mobile specifically for being the setting for this 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 collection of stories and these characters, can you talk a little bit about that? About why Mobile uh, to set it to be the setting for these stories, and 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 why Mobile has a special connection to you uh, as a writer and as a person? Sure, thank you so much. That's a that's a great question. Um, uh, well, I knew initially that I wanted to write about class. That was definitely something that I wanted to approach. And growing up in Mobile, I had a very um, definite sense that there was that there were classes that people were part of. Uh, that there was a you know people used to talk about old money, uh, which was really a thing, <laughs> um, and I think is in a lot of the South. But I think you know I think like like Mary Ward Brown said, you know she said class is everywhere in the South, but I think it's everywhere. Period. Um. But it doesn't seem like something that's always um, necessarily written about because, you know, you have to get into jobs and money and religion and race and all sorts of other things when you start delving into class. Um, but I always felt like Mobile would be a great place to set a, a, a collection um, exploring that theme. Um, and, uh, you know, I, th I thought of Dorothy Allison, too, when you were um, when you were asking me the question. Um she has a great essay in this this book of essays out by uh, Tin House. I can't remember what year it came out, but um, she talks about place and she says place is people, place is emotion. Um, so, um, you know, the fact that I grew up there and that I had a connection to it, it made Mobile a great place to to set the collection. But also from the excerpt you read, that's from Babby's point of view, who's one of the two main characters um, in the book. And, um, you know, I was very drawn to Babby in Mobile because um, she had a very different perspective than many people who visit Mobile might have. Um, a visitor might say, oh, it's beautiful. There are all these trees that sort of meet and, you know, embrace across the roadways as you're driving along. You're, you're driving under these tunnel of giant oaks. And um, it'd be easy to romanticize that um that scenery but babby being the person that she is um really attracted me because she was able to bring uh, for me and i hope for people who even know that area um a fresh perspective to place and and for me that's what's interesting about place is being able to really dive deeply enough that you start to see it differently um yeah very good. Very good. I wanted to ask you uh, about the structure of the stories, too, before we get into some of the, the characters and the content of the stories themselves. That We've got 11 sort of interlinked uh, short stories or, or interwoven short stories where a lot of the characters appear in several different stories. Uh, uh, you mentioned Babby being one of the characters who's 
perspective we get to see. We also get to see uh, another character, Donnie, featured quite a bit and things happening for, from his point of view. But um, I know that, you know, writing this, this kind of interconnected short story is a little bit different than if you're writing 11 separate short stories with 11 different characters and 11 different plots. And I was wondering if at any point, did, did you think about maybe making this a novel or making this something else and it evolved into 11 length short stories? And what, what did you find some of the advantages and disadvantages to, to making them interlinked together as opposed to maybe having um, 11 separate stories? Um, well, I actually started this in a class in which we were studying interlinked stories. Um, so I I wrote I wrote the first four <laughs> stories, you know, knowing at the time that what I was hopefully working toward was an interlinked or inter interconnected collection. Um, but, um, but at some point, yeah, I did try and, I did try and send it out and go the more traditional route of, you know, uh, getting an agent. Cause I thought that I had written a novel told in stories and I distinguish between a novel told in stories and a link story collection. Um, and agents were quick to say, yeah, we'd like those connections to be a little bit more interlocking and why don't you just go ahead and make them chapters and why don't you create this bigger arc and um ultimately I decided against that because really really what I was trying to do here was explore not just Babby and Donnie but a community and blended families um and I, I think that interconnected story collections are really a great way to do that um and um I say that having read you know Brian Washington's lot and um, Olive Kitteridge by Elizabeth Stroud. I mean, I think they, I think they do those things. Um, they explore communities um, through those those interlinked stories and in those collections. Um, so, so yeah, I did, I did think about it, but ultimately decided no, this is how it, this is how it needs to be. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of revision um, when I first started. Um, when I finally, several years after taking that class, went back to this book um, and picked it up and started writing the rest of the stories. Um, I really had no idea how to go about writing an interconnected short story collection, I realized. I also realized it was not just a straight ahead short story collection, and it was also not a novel. <laughs> and I had to begin to define those things for myself um, and why I was structuring it that way. And um, I started thinking about things like the spaces between the stories and how the stories needed to be arranged and what those spaces between the stories meant or might mean for a reader. Um, so, uh, yeah, there was a lot there was a lot to consider. And I also uh, began doing things like realizing, oh, I can have an object show up in, you know, story two and pull pull it through again on eight. and It's going to mean something different. Uh, and. And just that whole notion of also having characters in the foreground show up in the background somewhere else and um, all the kind of fun things you can do, honestly. I mean, those are the fun things. Um, there was there was just a lot to think about, actually. Yeah. It, you know, and it reminds me of what I, what I heard uh, one of my favorite historians, David McCullough, said about writing. And he said, you know, everybody will ask you, well, how long did it take you to write that particular whatever it is that you've written? But he said, nobody ever asks, how long did it take you to think about what you were writing before you started <laughs> writing that whatever it is? And so it sounds like in your circumstance, there was as much thinking uh, involved in how this was going to be laid out and how these stories were going to work as as in as much as how much writing was actually done and drafting and revis revision. Oh, definitely. I mean, I probably spent five, six years total actual writing, but I, I think, you know, maybe a decade, if you include the thinking part. 
<laughs> very good very good yes uh, yeah and writing is so much thinking it, it is the right yes absolutely so much of it is thinking well you mentioned uh babby earlier J- just a wonderful character uh she's a three-time divorced former call girl we talked about donnie a minute ago we learned that he's a sobriety challenged trucker um and then thrown in there are all these wonderful characters we have exes we have in-laws we have co-workers and one of the things that i loved about uh, babby's story and donnie's story and all these other people that kind of filter in and out of their lives is you know even though these people get frustrated with one another uh at the same time they can't live without each other either and you were talking about class and structure and and, and how all that works um you know in, in the book and being a part of the south and and i was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that about about cuz i think your minor characters are so good and so so rich and well developed and 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 i love that they know how to push babby and donnie's buttons in a lot of ways and even though they get frustrated with with these people they also realize they can't live without them if they disappeared or they weren't a part of their lives or they weren't aggravating them in some way um you know things wouldn't go well as either so can you talk about that about developing these minor characters and this this idea that we we don't like each other but we can't live without each other yeah no i i love that and i i i I, that's a great way to put it um yeah there what I, I think one thing that, that really fascinates me and that I'm interested in is the way in which um the way in which we influence each other. And we may not it, it, sometimes it's family, sometimes it's uh co-workers. I think of Penelope and Babby in that first story. Um, you know, uh I, I don't think there's any love lost between the two of them at all, but um but you know, Penelope pushes Babby in a way that puts her in this situation without any spoilers that, you know, leads to what I what I think of as a major moment in Babby's life. Um and that's interesting to me when people um when a coworker or an ex or some family member, whoever it may be. Um, where you're in that situation and you don't expect for that to happen, um, where a change can occur in somebody's life based on some some interaction. I think that's true, too, of um, Donnie and the character Marty, who works the Y-Stop, which is a truck stop that appears off and on throughout the collection. Um, you know, Marty, Marty comes across uh, somewhat as a simpleton, you know. Um, but then once again, she pushes Donnie into this moment where, you know, there's a reckoning um, and, you know, we get to see another side of her. Um, and she's she's actually very interesting to me and she never has a POV story in the book. But um, but I think you can tell I I I, I was definitely fascinated by her. <laughs> she appears quite a bit. Um, and I think um, I can't remember if it was Charles Baxter. There's this idea of like um captain agent um that like there are these characters who um who are like uh create these impetuses for change or reckonings for other characters and so i'm i'm really i'm really interested in those moments and those those places where where that might happen how did you know when you were writing the stories you, you, you know when, when to bring marty in for example or 
or when to start the collection with Penelope and, and Babby's interaction, which I think was in the emergency room at the hospital. I think mm-hmm. it's the first story. Uh, when did you know when to bring them in at what moment? Cause you mentioned Brian Washington's lot. And I heard an interview with him uh, about a year or so ago. And he said, well, you know, I didn't, I didn't really like have a, a sketched out plan or an outline of when, what character was going to appear in what section of what story he said it just kind of seemed natural based on the circumstances of my protagonist uh, when these people would appear. Was that similar for you or, or did you have an idea? Okay, we're going to start, we're going to have Penelope here. And then, you know, the, the, the carryover of her interactions with Babby are going to carry on to the next story. And then Marty's going to come in. Let me, how did you know when to sprinkle those, those minor characters in? Was that something you knew going in or it just kind of evolved as the narrative unfolded? I mean, I didn't really know. I didn't really know at the beginning. And, um, you know, I, I, I tried, I tried as much as possible always to start with some, some kind of tension, you know, from the very start, um, if not several levels of tension at the very start. And so a lot of those, a lot of those characters coming together um, evolved from that. Um, I had a, I, I had an instructor who once used to talk about, you know, she'd, she'd read through things of mine and she'd say, yeah, there's heat in that scene. So I, I've started to think about, okay, is this scene, if I'm bored by it, will somebody else be bored by it? And just, you know, what's going to introduce, you know, heat, <laughs> um, what an interest, you know, what's going to, what's going to keep the story moving forward. Um, and, you know, a lot of times that's just other people bringing other people put, and I love, I'll have to say, I love putting characters where there's tension between the two of them into small spaces. That's just like one of my favorite all-time things to do. I just <laughs> give them that real claustrophobic feel, right? Yeah, yeah, because you know, you know, something's going to happen, you know. Um, and um, so, I, so I love doing that. Um, yeah. yeah, very good. The title of the book we're talking about today, it's a collection of interlinked short stories. It's called It Falls Gently All Around and Other Stories. Our guest is author Ramona Reeves. This book won the Drew Hines Literature Prize from the University of Pittsburgh Press. And so we'll come back to the book uh, in just a second, Ramona. But I wanted to ask you uh, about that specifically, about the Drew Hines Literature Prize and the University of Pittsburgh Press. How did you find them? How did you all find each other? And what was the process like in terms of your collection winning the Drew Hines Literature Prize? Did you enter this? Was it was it chosen randomly? How did all of that unfold? Um, actually, the the Drew Hines Literature Prize I had known about it for a few years, um, and then it really I I'll backtrack all the way to I, I attended Community of Writers a couple of years back uh, before the pandemic, and uh, so that's more than a couple, but. Um, I had a I had a workshop uh I had a workshop classmate who won it and then it really was on my radar and so then I read several you know read it over several years um and I had started to send my collection out to a to a few places and I thought well you know I looked at their it's it's free actually there's no con there's no fee to enter you just have to have published I think it's you know, uh, three stories and three, you know, nationally distributed journals or whatever. Um, and I thought, well, maybe I'll, you know, just go ahead and enter my manuscript and see what happens. I mean, I never in a million years thought I'd win. Honestly, I, I actually wrote another story for this, uh, manuscript that I was planning on adding, um, you know, and sending out other places. That's how sure I was. I, I didn't even tell anybody I entered, 
um, I think, I think it's my spouse several weeks later, even um, it's like, oh, there's, well, there's no fee. I may as well. Um, but then they called and they told me I won and I couldn't believe it. Um, it's such a great prize. Um, and as I understand it, you know, Drew Hines was this sort of patron of the literary arts. She's no longer with us, but um, who had a, you know, soft place for emerging writers um, and cr helped to create this endowment uh, with through the University of Pittsburgh. Um, and so the I, I'm not sure if they publish other fiction, but uh, they have been wonderful to work with, uh, the Drew Hines Prize. Um, I've met several other people who have won the Drew Hines Prize. They've all been wonderful as well, including Joanna Pearson, who I think maybe has a Appalachia connection. She um, does. Yeah, she does. Yeah, she does. Her and her collection is wonderful, by the way. She won it the year before me. So I'll just say, you know, buy her collection too. Um and um yeah, I, I you know, I I highly recommend that anybody who, you know, meets the criteria, um, if you've got a collection of short stories, I recommend that you submit to the Drew Hines Prize. Like I said, it's free to do so. Um and you really never know. I mean, I won. And <laughs> so that's so you true. really never know. <laughs> you just don't know. And that and that's why it's so important to send your work out there and not be afraid and and not worry about it, not be discouraged if it gets turned down here because it may be picked up by someone else or get noticed somewhere else and you just never know where it may lead. So I want to ask you too, Ramona, what is it that you love the most about writing and being a writer? What's the one thing you love the most about doing this? Uh, as a as a writer um the thing I love most is the days that I sit down to write and I actually get a fair amount of work done but not only that I maybe have a piece that appeared in a story I'm working on or in a novel I'm working on uh and I'm not sure why it's there and then I write something and suddenly there's that connection there's that thread so I think it's that discovery and connecting pieces and figuring things out. It's like a puzzle in a way. Um, that's, that's the part I really enjoy when I have one of those days, that's a really good day. <laughs> <laughs> very good. Very good. We're talking with author Ramona Reeves about her new collection of interlinked short stories. It's called it falls gently all around. It was winner of the Drew Hines literature prize. And so we'll, we'll go back to uh, the stories, Ramona. I wanted to ask you about one story that was really uh, there were so many I loved, and I wish we had time to talk about them all, but I wanted to ask you about the right side of the dash, because here's another sort of minor character, uh, sort of minor, but not really minor, in Faye, who uh, I just loved because I felt like she was a surrogate mother for so many different characters in the book at different times uh, when they needed someone. She was there. Um, but it, it was just um, uh, a wonderful story and a very poignant story. Uh, because we see Faye's mental decline uh, as things kind of uh, things kind of evolve. Can you talk a little bit about that story about Faye as a character, and and was that as difficult a story to write as it kind of was maybe maybe to read or to kind of see Faye's progression or degression or regression? Yeah, uh, Faye. I lo I love Faye's character, and she's one of those people. I'm I I, I knew when I. I knew she was going to have a, a point of view story. And when I started writing her, her voice just, her voice just came. I mean, she was talking, <laughs> she was talking faster than I could write. The voice just kind of came off, um, came out of my head onto the page. And um, 
And I didn't know initially what was going on because uh, her, her, her husband started to appear um, who's deceased. I'll, I'll say that much. And I, I wasn't, I wasn't sure what was happening. I thought, why is she seeing this person? Uh, and then, and then later on, I, I found out why, and it was, um, it was a story that was very difficult to write. And I don't think I can say a whole lot about that without giving a lot of it away, but um, yeah, it was, it was, it was a really difficult story to write. Um, and um, I had some friends who had um, uh, some family members suffering from the same thing that Faye suffers from, I'll say. Uh, and I, you know, for that reason, it was difficult as well, but um but yeah, I, 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 but I was so, and I worked on that story a long time. I, I, I will say, um, I was really happy with the way that it, the way that it came out. And I, even though, you know, it's funny, these are fictional characters, but they, they seem so real to me. And I just, I wanted, I wanted to do Faye justice, you know? <laughs> um, Absolutely. So, hope, so hopefully I did. Um, but Yeah. Yeah, I loved her. I just I loved her throughout the book and 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 that story. I I read it a couple of times and I could just feel you know it, almost like I, I felt like I was watching you uh, you know writing that story and I could just imagine writing it. It had to be uh, as difficult uh, writing it. We don't want to give too much away uh, to the audience, but I I just, I just felt like as the story unfolded, I kept thinking, oh no, here we go. You know, it, it's getting <laughs> you know I know where we're headed here, but it had to be difficult to write because even though as a reader, you know, it's coming, you still don't want it to happen. You know, you still want something to come and stop it, but uh, it, it doesn't. And so I, I just felt like I was watching you sort of over your shoulder. I imagine that had to be very difficult to write um, as you were composing that. Um, I, I picked a quote. I tried to, to pick a quote that I thought would sort of encapsulate everybody's experience in the story. Uh, and it ties back to some of the themes of the entire collection. But I think this may have been Babby saying this, um, you write that every day the unmarked gravel paths and the dirt roads of her mind grew. They did not lead to interesting places. They led to holes she tripped and fell into, then climbed out of with great effort. And I feel like that's sort of a, a quote that kind of encapsulates all of these characters, not just Babby and Donnie, but Faye and, and Marty and everybody involved uh, that we've talked about and some that we haven't talked about here. And, and I feel like there's this this theme of, of redemption that every character, despite their decisions and despite their pasts and despite their uh, interactions with others, is sort of seeking redemption. And I felt like that quote kind of connected to all of their experiences. Um, is that a central theme you set out to show in the collection, or is it just something that developed as these stories were developing and every all these characters are sort of weaving in and out of each other's lives? Can can you speak to that a little bit? Talk about redemption as a theme and 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 are, uh, do these characters deserve it and do you feel like they get it in most cases yeah i don't think it's something i set out to write i think that's just a product of the fact that i was raised southern baptist <laughs> it can't help it um you know and I, I i you know and i did at some point in my life read a lot of flannery o'connor so i guess that got in there you know as well but um but it's not something i planned at all I do I do think of the characters as being um sort of like those those you know punching bags that have uh like a a hard bottom but the top is soft and you punch them and they 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 sort of just bounce back um you know that's I I think that's the best thing I can say about them in fact is that they're really resilient um 
you know, lots of things happen to them, but they just, they keep trying, which, 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 you know, feels very human to me, you know, um, we just, you know, we get knocked down and get up and keep trying, but, um, yeah, the redemption, I mean, honestly, that, that just, um, I didn't really think a whole lot about that. I guess, I mean, I guess I did think about it some in the, in the last story, um, and again, I won't give anything away. People have asked me about, you know, what happens to Babby and Donnie after that last story. And um, I just say, well, I, you know, I th- I think it's a kind of do your own adventure, depending on how you, what you really think about that last, that last scene. But, um, <laughs> but yeah. Very good. So in our final moments with you, Ramona, if uh, anyone in our audience wants to get in contact with you uh, to find out what you're up to, to learn more about, it falls gently all around and anything that you're working on currently and, and things that are going on in your writing life, where can they get a hold of you? How can they track you down? And then where can they get copies of your book? Um, they can go to my website, which is RamonaReeves.com. Um, and there's a contact, there's contact information there and um, several other pages. Uh, as far as getting uh, copies of my book, they can find it online at bookshop.org um, or, of course, all of the other sorts of, you know, Barnes and Noble, Amazon outlets. Um, and I'll just say if you're, you know, in a place where you've got a great independent bookstore, go there. Love independent bookstores. Order from them. Um, it, you know, they've they've just been really, really wonderful about getting getting the word out. So, um, yeah. Terrific. Fantastic. Thank you. The title of the her book is called It Falls Gently All Around and Other Stories. It is a linked collection of 11 short stories. There are some fantastic characters in here that you're going to fall in love with from the very first page when you meet uh, Penelope and Babby all the way through, Donnie and Marty and Faye and some of the other ones that we've mentioned. There's a host of others, too, that you're going to love as well. Uh, our guest has been author Ramona Reeves. Her collection, It Falls Gently All Around, was a winner of the Drew Hines Literature Prize from the University of Pittsburgh Press. Uh, Ramona, congratulations. It's a, just a wonderful, wonderful collection of short stories. It adds so much to that genre, and it's just uh, fantastic, and I think our audience will love it, and I hope they will add it to their to-be-read pile. So congratulations, and thanks for being on the show with us today. Thank you so much, Elliot, for all your kind words, and I really appreciate it. Love being here. We're pleased to have you very much. And as we finish up uh, on this episode of Now Appalachia, we want to give a special shout out to the executive producer of our program. Her name is Pam Stack. She also serves as the executive producer of all the podcast programs that you hear on the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. And we also want to remind you that this is a copyrighted podcast owned and operated by the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. And finally, a program note. We mentioned that this podcast at the beginning of our show kicks off our sixth year 2023, our sixth year of doing these podcast programs here on the network at Now Appalachia. We also want to point out that looking at listenership and subscribers and everything from 2022 to 2021, heading into 2023, we had a 7% increase in the number of downloads and subscribers and listeners to the podcast program as we ended 2022 compared to December of 2021. So if you compare December 2021 to December 2022, we had a 7% increase in the number of downloads and listens and uploads and subscriptions and all of that to the podcast. So I just wanted to say a special thanks to all of our authors, uh, the publishers, the publicists, the staff that work with us uh, behind the scenes to make these interviews possible. And I also wanna give a special shout out to my colleagues, 
on the network that host a variety of other podcast programs on a variety of other different themes that I hope you'll check out. But also a special thanks to Pam Stack and Teresa Newsom because they do so much behind the scenes to get these podcasts ready and get them disseminated so that you can download them and listen to them. But thank you so much for making Now Appalachia a part of your podcast experience and your listening experience. And thank you so much for uh, listening in the last year. And we hope that you'll continue that uh, into 2023. And that is going to do it for us this time on Now Appalachia, but please come again next time. And in the meantime, stay well and see you someplace soon, I hope. You've been listening to Now Appalachia. This is a copyrighted podcast owned and operated by the authors on the Air Global Radio Network. For questions or comments about this program and to learn more about the host, Elliot Parker, and his books, visit his website at www.elliotparker.com. Stay tuned. More outstanding podcasts are coming your way next from the authors on the Air Global Radio Network.